Hey guys, that was Billy Talent with Louder Than a DJ, a nice Canadian band uh, for you this uh, this week to uh, start things off. And this week we're taking an approach to science with an open mind. We have Dr. Umberto Scali on the uh, podcast, and he is a Bigfoot re- researcher. Um, it's a very cool talk, guys. And here's the here's the thing: give it give it a listen, and we talk about the Patterson Gim, Gimlin vid, video uh, because it's the 50th an- anniversary of that. Probably the best Bigfoot video out out there right now. I just want to bring up uh, this weekend on TV. We got an NXT TakeOver show. War, War Games. Hasn't been one in about 20 years since the late the I think 97 was the last one with uh, DDP versus the DDP's team versus the N, N, NWO in WCW. So that's how 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 long long ago it was. I'm actually looking lo- looking forward to the show because there hasn't been one in a long time and well you know, well, you know what bring back the World of War games. Dusty Rhodes and Morton invented it invented it years and years ago and bring back his stuff because you know what it's good. Uh, the double sided cage it's inspired the hell in the cell from wwe and and it's there's no floor shot so it's just two rings wrapped around with having steel wrapped around it probably going to be a fantastic show and also loving uh alistair black on on nxt right now check check that guy's out and we do have 10 minutes with tom again at the end end of the podcast so st- stick around to to the very end for your local uh local indie indie wrestling up up update there there guys that's always uh, fun and once again thank you for, for for tuning in and here's dr umberto scali thanks guys hi there guys this is gilmy talks again and my guest for today is dr umberto scali he is a crypto cryptozoologist of note and something i've i've been uh i've been interested in in for years and i just wanted to bring him on and uh just ask him a couple of questions so dr um, well, umberto what is what is a cryptozoology exactly? It's the well. Uh, first off, uh, it's not Dr. Umberto; it's Dr. Scali. So, Dr. Scali. Uh, I apologize if I misled you on that point. Oh no, uh, please. Okay. Uh, first off, cryptozoology. Unfortunately, that's one of the sciences that uh, science itself really does not take as seriously as it should. Pretty much, uh, if anywhere you read, if Google's cryptozoology, and you'll come up with people who will comment that uh, it's a pseudoscience. It's not real science. It basically it's believing or trying to prove the existence of uh, animals that uh, don't exist, basically. But that's not entirely accurate. Uh, back in 
really don't have any understanding whatsoever of what uh, the cryptid is truly about. Here we have uh, numerous examples of uh, sightings, uh, footprints, uh, hair samples, fecal samples, uh, a number of different samples of uh, these creatures, though none of them has been um, uh, captured killed, uh, put on display for science, so therefore a number of people choose not to believe in it. A cryptozoologist uh, basically takes the approach of, uh, I wish to understand, so therefore I'm going to keep an open mind. So a cryptozoologist basically is an open-minded scientist. He's not closed-minded and says, I have not seen it, therefore it does not exist. That's a basic fallacy that a lot of scientists nowadays make with a lot of things, but uh, as proven every day, you know, there are things that are discovered in the oceans, uh, in the uh, Amazons, uh, of creatures that were never even imagined, but all of a sudden, you know, they're discovered and the scientific community will embrace it. They don't say, well, give me more proof. They will accept it. Uh, that type of approach should be taken with uh, animals uh, or creatures that are in the cryptozoological realm, uh, such as Sasquatch, uh, the Yeti, the Cupacabra of uh, uh, Puerto Rico is another example. Um, actually, you know, you mentioned uh, earlier before the show that uh, you uh, and your father had a sighting that of something that you didn't know what it was, but it just you know, it certainly didn't look like a bear. But uh, once a number of years ago in uh, Lovells, West Virginia, I did see something run across the road that I had never seen before. Now, the best I could say, it looked like a large hairless dog, in which case it reminded me of a chupacabra. But the point is this, I mean, I did not know what I saw, but that's not going to automatically mean I discounted as uh, it must be a dog with mange or a bear with mange. Uh, I don't know what it is, so I have to keep an open mind and say, since I don't know what it is, I'm not going to assume that I do know what it is. So basically, that's what cryptozoology is all about. It's taking an approach to science with an open mind, uh, taking a critical eye to it, never prejudging, even if they, uh, when they do catch or uh, provide proof positive of the existence of Sasquatch, you know, we still must keep an open mind about, you know, okay, we've spotted it in this location, where else in the planet could the same creature uh, exist? So uh, that basically is what cryptozoology is all about. Yeah, because there's been sightings of Sasquatch or, or the Yeti all over the world. It's been... I know it's been cited in uh, South America, uh, the Pacific North, North Air West, and all over any heavily wooded Canadian or, or U.S. US uh, spot. Uh, there's the one in Florida, even. The yeah, citing, Florida Skunkate. There you go. Yeah, that's, I mean, basically they're all consistent in how they appear. Uh, you can either have the Florida Skunk Ape in Arkansas, South uh, County. Uh, there's what's called the South Monster. They made a movie about that some uh, 47 years ago based on uh, sightings at the time. Uh, right here, I'm located in Sakaya Swamp, Maryland, which is in Southern Maryland. Um, I moved down here a number of years ago because uh, at that time, I'm not saying it was a hotbed, but there had been sightings of strange creatures uh, going across some of the country roads down here. I have not seen any to date, but because I have not seen one does not mean, once again, that they don't exist. Well, exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, but just in the immediate area here, uh, West Virginia, there's a number of counties there where a large ape-like creature has been sighted. Up in uh, Pennsylvania, in fact, this uh, winter, I looked to be going on a uh, week 
weekend uh, trip with a number of other cryptozoologists to a specific county where there has been numerous sightings of a creature. And uh, once again, it's something that's uh, all described pretty much similarly, which is seven to eight feet tall, uh, smooth hair. It looks like, it, they, a lot of people say it looks like an ape, but it's not an ape. It looks more like a man. And uh, uh, that's the fascinating part is throughout history from the earliest uh, uh, people who uh, populated the United States, the Indians, or I'm sorry, the Native Americans, uh, a number of their tribes had uh, all different uh, representations of this large creature in the, um, you know, in the forest. Uh, you know, basically, you know, they, they called it different names, the, um, you know, the giant of the woods. Uh, actually, Sasquatch is a, uh, a derivation from a, an Indian name, but uh, a lot of the accounts are very similar throughout the United States. So there has to be something to all of that. You know, that and uh, there has been, you know, just some of the video evidence that's uh, readily available on the interwebs, uh, you can see that uh, you know there are a number of examples throughout the uh, United States alone. Just of, uh, something is out there, and not all of it is just a bear or a moose or somebody in a gorilla suit. Actually, I'm not sure if you're aware, but uh, back on um, October the 20th this year was the 50th anniversary of the Patterson-Gimlin film, a famous film that was made in Bluff Creek, California in 1967. It was basically. Seconds of a creature walking across uh, Bluff Creek. That's considered to be the Rosetta Stone of Sasquatch research. Um, a lot of people say that it's nothing more than a guy in a gorilla suit. And I'm sorry, but I was around in 1967, and there was no way gorilla suits had any of the sophistication that that what that creature wore certainly didn't resemble any uh, gorilla suits that I've ever seen uh, in Hollywood. Secondly, uh, why you know would somebody create a gorilla suit or a suit that is that much life, you know, so lifelike, you know, for only 59 seconds of fame, and then throw it out and never have it be seen again? Uh, if it was that realistic, why you know that person could have made millions of dollars taking that technology to Hollywood at that time? And you're talking, you know, it's 1967. This is before the Planet of the Apes, the Planet of Loud, and that was very poor gorilla animations at that time. So just to give you a, a bit of perspective. Uh, other things, too, about that film, you know, I did find fascinating. In, in, in addition to the fact that it uh, doesn't resemble any creature that I've ever seen, if it was a person in a gorilla suit, um, they certainly did a lot of things, like I said, for 59 seconds of fame. Uh, for example, uh, frame 352, the famous frame where you see the creature turn slightly around and look back at the um, Patterson, who was making the film at the time, they showed the animal to have breasts. Why would you create a creature to have breasts? You know, for this, you know, I've never seen a gorilla costume that way, and um, why would they make it, you know, that way? It's not just a matter of a flap of uh, uh, something hanging down that was interpreted to be breasts. You can see the shape of the breasts. Another thing about the Gimlin, uh, Patterson Gimlin film, uh, is that over the test, uh, over time, it's only bolstered uh, the quality of it. You know, we have computer enhancement now, computer analysis, uh, stabilization of the video, so you can see very clearly, you know, the creature walking through the uh, Bluff Creek. And, you know, there's nothing there that's phony about it. Nobody has said, okay, look at this frame here, you can see it's phony. There are, you know, just more and more things that I see in it every time I look at it that it's it's just not a human person. You know, 
that nobody would go to that level of sophistication. Uh, a good example is um, one thing to look for is when the creature has his foot up. Uh, there's one scene early on in it where the creature has his foot up. You see a white foot, and people says, "See, that's a, that's a shoe that that person's wearing. It's not a uh, Sasquatch." But if you look closely and apply just the slightest amount of enhancement, you can see toes on it. And why would anybody go through the level of sophistication of putting toes on this creature that, once again, that who knew that it would be uh, analyzed and enhanced 40 years after the fact of proving that? Uh, another thing, too, is that if you look at the gait, the walk of the animal itself, you'll see that when it walks, uh, it's trailing like it'll lift about 90 degrees off the ground. Uh, people simply do not walk that way. And why this person, or if, it per if there was a person imitating it, why would they all of a sudden take this uh, exaggerated walk that no human does naturally? It's uh, something that's just not done. Uh, not only have I seen that in the uh, Patterson film, but there was a another film that's name escapes me. But there's another famous film. I think it was Furman, and they uh, or Foreman, and they. Um, and I gotta say though, I've been watching ever since we we set this up. I must have seen the Patterson Gimlin film at least. I, I think I've watched it at least 30 times in the past week mm -hmm. and there are so many videos the there's the stabilized video and it I'm not an, an expert in any way shape or form I've, I've I've never studied this but that by today's movie movie standards if that's that's an amazing suit if if it exactly. is a, if it is a suit I I honestly think that is I I, I think they captured Sasquatch there because just all the evidence pointing towards it it just looks like it is it's real and then um, I like how if it's a good video video online I'm talking about about other videos if the if it's a good recorded video without everyone being all jostly and stuff they say oh that's that's too good of a, a video to possibly be true and then they say the same thing if the, it's a jumpy jumpy round round video with a, a couple glimpses Oh, why, why, why is it so, uh, so uh, jumpy? Because I'm six foot two. If I was to see something hairy, seven to eight, eight feet tall, walking, walking around, I'd be a little, uh, I'd be a little, little jittery myself. No, I agree. Uh, and once again, uh, you see a lot of these videos, and some of them, you know, very well could be uh, something other than a cryptid like a Sasquatch. Uh, could be, you know, something natural like a bear, or as I mentioned earlier, a moose. Uh, but there's too many of these, like, two or three second sightings, or, you know, brief, maybe ten second sightings of the creature walking. It's like, that's a lot, you know, they're in the middle of nowhere. Why would this person be walking around in a suit mimicking, a, you know, this creature? And um, it just doesn't make sense. There's other videos, I'm sure you've seen them too, where um, uh, the creature is, uh, in the video, is very plain to see. And then when you try to recreate it, you can see how much taller smaller a human is compared to the figure that was in the image they'll use you know the same trees and the same rock formations you know just as a uh, for comparison and there's something much larger in these images and it, you know, once again this is like there's something there that needs to be you know explained you can't just say well it just doesn't exist i mean it's something you know one of these days someone will provide evidence to the uh, 
accredited scientific community that will satisfy them. But as far as I'm concerned now, there's definitely worth exploring. There's too many things in this world that uh, require an explanation from science itself. Loch Ness Monster is another one of them. There's, you know, what is causing these things, <clears throat> disturbances in Loch Ness? And uh, some of it may be, you know, uh, just tra uh, trailing patterns of uh, uh, ducks or geese, you know, skimming across the water. I don't know, but uh, there are things in this world that definitely require explaining. Yeah. You know, whether or not, you know, we have down here uh, uh, in Zakaya Swamp, we have actually on the Potomac River, uh, we have, you know, our version of uh, the Loch Ness Monster. It's been sighted a few times in the past 10, 15 years. I think they call it Plessy or something. But, uh, you know, because I haven't seen it, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Somebody saw something that they'd never seen before, and that's life. That's the way it is. Yep. That's what's beautiful about life. Yeah, I've actually been there when people have caught, I think it was a six-foot channel cat. Yeah. Catfish, just in a small, small Welland, Welland River. Things maybe three feet deep at the uh, the at the deepest, and there's a six-foot foot um, fish fish in there that's been there for how, how many years, and nobody has seen it or caught it or. Yeah. In Africa, there's what? There's been sightings of, you know, 23-foot alligators, I'm sorry, crocodiles. Uh, uh, in fact, there's one, there was a lot of speculation about that, about the natives talking about, yes, we do see uh, crocodiles over 20 feet long. Nobody believed it, of course, until somebody finally got video of one, and you can see the size of it compared to a six or eight foot crocodile and definitely this thing is a monster so yeah. there are things out there in the world that you know we that just can't be explained what another one um the japanese shark that they uh they that they were feeding off the coast they were just videotaping uh they were just reef sharks and then all of a sudden the reef sharks scatter and then this ginormous black undiscovered shark comes out of nowhere and people are just saying that has to be be megalodon from years and years ago yeah or it's uh or it just could be a giant giant greater greater white and we've never seen seen any other any other really really big uh, big guys yet yeah, that's very true and uh, uh no you know granted there are people out in the world uh who will uh with photoshop or whatever they'll try to fake anything you know just to you know, make a name for themselves or just to get their 15 minutes of frame or simply be an internet troll so uh you know you just have to watch out for them i'm looking at the fact they image of what people called uh, Megalodon uh, off the coast of uh, South Africa in 1944 next to a German U-boat. And uh, basically someone just sliced it apart and said, okay, this thing supposedly swimming, it's, you say it's 65 feet long, that's twice the size of Megalodon in its uh, prime millions of years ago. And uh, the thing is not even creating weight, you know, in, in its swimming. So it's like, nah, somebody, you know, copied and pasted something in there. So, you know, that's life, but... Oh, yeah. You just have to accept it. Schooling. Well, I, well, I know you got a, a degree in in cryptozoology, and I know a couple couple people were asking me where where exactly did 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 you have a <coughs> a acquire that? I acquired that. Um, you know, remember, I uh, uh, I'm not a young man anymore. <laughs> I grew up in uh, the '60s and '70s, and everybody remembers the '60s was a time where there is a lot more liberal education. Yeah, at the time being offered. I mean, it was classes in how to grow pot, and uh, you know that was accredited classes. Uh, a number of them were 
in uh, zoology, particularly after the release of the Patterson Gimlin film, it was just uh, considered at that time to be a subset of uh, anthropology. But there was a number of courses that I've taken um, across the country, primarily at the University of Maryland. Um, uh, but uh, where I got my actual degree was a from the University of the State of New York in 1973. At the time, this is not. Uh, State University of New York, uh, SUNY, it's a uh, University of State of New York, which is basically, uh, I would say it wasn't an online program, we didn't have online at the time, but they were a uh, aggregating house for uh, any education that you had across the country. It went through the State Board of Regents, and they uh, would examine the uh, training or classes you would take and accordingly uh, assign uh, the appropriate uh, degree or doctorate uh, in this case. Uh, that's very, I received my doctorate from them, the University of State in New York. I tried to get a copy of my transcript, but apparently uh, back in the 90s, they disbanded, and I think someone else uh, took over their uh, transcripts of uh, their students. I'm still trying to locate uh, that university itself. Nowadays, there's uh, very few, if any, accredited colleges that offer degrees in uh, cryptozoology. Um, you know, once again, because it's not mainstream science, so what you're going to find, uh, the education is going to be from uh, organizations that uh, are, you know, I'm not going to say they're not accredited, but they are recognized by others within uh, the field of uh, that particular of cryptozoology as being legitimate, because you are learning from people you know, who have studied it, uh, they're passing that knowledge on to others, uh, they're teaching you that, you know, such as uh, uh, cryptid behavior, in this case Sasquatch, you know, what he looks like, what uh, historically he's looked like from the uh, uh, first uh, drawings of the Native Americans until nowadays. Uh, that's why you see a lot of images of uh, Sasquatch with the uh, occipital uh, bulge to the top of his head, a flattened nose, and uh, the type of hair it has, it's generally you know, considered to be like a reddish brown or even black. Uh, it's rare that you see a white one or a lighter colored one, but this is the sciences that uh, uh, you do learn. Uh, you also learn about uh, their uh, habits, uh, their behavior. A couple of them that are well known is that uh, they are, uh, you know, when they feel threatened or they will have a tendency to throw uh, rocks uh, at people. Uh, that's been pretty well uh, chronicled across the country on that. Is, uh, they have a particular uh, tree snapping um, practice that they follow. Uh, no one's sure on why they do it, but they basically will take a fair-sized three, four-inch sapling and snap it in half. And generally, that's you'll find that in an area where there's a lot of Sasquatch sightings. Tree knocking is another one of them. It seems like that behavior is also associated with the Sasquatch. In fact, they try to use that uh, in a number of uh, expeditions of using that knocking, and they would find that you know two, three miles away in the middle of the night, they'll hear somebody knocking back at them, and it's like uh, that's very unusual. You don't not find animals knocking trees the same way, you know, repeating you know what these expeditioners are finding. So it's uh, you know that's the kind of behaviors you learn that you just can't uh, get out of a book. You know you. You kind of learn the type of research that's required for it. The backgrounds of studies you hear are sometimes about uh, uh, theories that Sasquatch could be a branch of Dicanthotherpagus, which uh, was a 
uh, was was an early man, but it's more a early hominid that existed, you know, millions of years ago. Uh, I personally don't subscribe to that because there's really a gap between the existence of Gigantotrichus um, millions of years ago and Sasquatch sightings, you know, say in the past 500 years. It's like there has really not been any correlation since. I don't know what branch of um, hominids uh, these creatures would be assigned to at this point. Well, going back to the description description of them a little bit, what do you think Sasquatch actually looks looks like on uh, on uh, average? <laughs> That's, I'm not saying it's tough to say, but from what I've seen, you know, Patterson Gimlin is probably the best. Uh, you look at that, you compare it to, uh, as I said, early Native American cave drawings or totems, uh, and they essentially all look the same in that they have that occipital ridge across the top of the head. They're very, a lot of times they have either no neck or their neck muscles are so, so thick that they seem to be part of the shoulders. Very hairy, you know, at least looks like two, three inches of hair, you know, easily across the entire body. Uh, except in the areas around the face, of course. Um, and it's very smooth. It's not a, uh, everything I've seen, it's never been curly or anything like that. So it's like almost like a very smooth uh, fur that's on the creature. As I said, it has a particular, you know, walking style from what I've seen in a couple of videos that look very convincing to me. And long arms, longer arms in uh, uh, humans. So that's another telltale that you see in some of the, uh, Sasquatch sightings is that, uh, you know, they'll have longer than human arms. I mean, they'll reach down past the hips. And, um, yeah, that's just something that's, you know, once again, it's, that seems to me strictly a Sasquatch trait. There are different from, say, creatures of, you know, gorillas or other members of the ape family in that, you know, they do walk upright. They have been known, I've heard, to run on all fours, but I don't see that as being practical. Um, I have heard it, but I that is not one of the things I look for is to say, ah, oh, that's a Sasquatch. It's uh, uh, generally I've seen the, the most convincing videos that I've seen are the ones that had the most impact on me. Uh, the creature has walked definitely upright. Oh, and one other thing, they do have big feet. <laughs> well, a buddy of mine, a buddy of mine, really wanted wanted me to ask, and uh, well, since Sasquatch does does have a bigger bigger feet, do you think everything else is everything else is big? Speaking for myself, uh, <laughs> I've got very big feet, and uh, that's about all I'll say about that. Okay, Zoe had had to. He's uh, probably my uh, my biggest fan fan of the show. Okay, tell us to look at frame three fifty two and look at the breast on the Bigfoot, and you tell me if they're bigger than normal. Okay. <laughs> uh, I can't believe I I actually asked that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I could ask that a lot. Oh, well, probably. Would you like to go, go into your uh, thesis uh, for a little bit? Uh, yeah, basically, at that time, uh, once again, you got to remember this is uh, the 70s, so mm -hmm. um, there was very little... Um, Research at that time, uh, they, there was very little uh, video evidence. The most evidence that uh, was had, of course, the Gimlin film, uh, earlier in 1962, there was a brief video, I mean, I'm, we're talking about a five-second video, of this creature in the snow that was hopping you know, across what looked to be rocks. And it was definitely not, uh, not a man. Uh, unfortunately, the particular view of that shot, you really didn't get a good idea of the size of the creature itself. All you could see was this 
black human-like figure uh, stepping across rocks. And once again, you know, being 64 or so is not you know, the uh, best video in the world. It wasn't intended to be caught as a Bigfoot video per se. It was just happened to be in somebody uh, after they be filming it when they were, uh, you know, out doing whatever they were doing. But, um, you know, they weren't looking for Bigfoot, but something showed up on the camera that just nobody really could explain. Uh, and before that, I think back in the 50s, that's when you had the big, the Bigfoot track sightings and whatnot, a number of people um, doing that. And that's where Bigfoot, you know, came from because somebody was walking around in big feet. And that's when a lot of the fakes started to come up because people would put on these big 16-inch uh, foot contraptions and tramp around in the snow and that. But um, for one thing, snow is not very telling, uh, so it's uh, it's hard to gauge anything. But when you look at some a track in the mud where you can see uh, imprints that are deeper, uh, say near the toe of the foot uh, or the heel with some uh, less uh, across the area which is considered what the uh, the sole of the foot. You can see there is not just a flat you know, plank on a foot that's uh, being, making impressions in snow. So it's a lot easier uh, with when you're dealing with mud. Uh, the, now, back in the 50s, there was a, um, and this is uh, not hearsay, but there's, there's just no proof taken at the time, but there was sightings of uh, large footprints around construction, a particular construction site, I believe, in the Northwest. And that just caught the interest, and that's kind of like what started people you know, thinking about Bigfoot. Prior to that, uh, uh, 1924, there was an episode where uh, a family or a tribe of uh, Sasquatch attacked some um, uh, timber timber men out in the Northwest, uh, attacked them in their cabin, basically attacked them, you know, spent overnight attacking them. They were you know, mortal fear for their lives. So that's kind of like the chronology of the, you know, in the past, the 20th century. And my thesis is based on that. It was more so on the history of not only through the Native American sightings, uh, Native American lore, but uh, also through, you know, tying it together with the various sightings that had been made, you know, up into and including the uh, um, uh, 67 sighted by Patterson and Gimlin. And um, so it was, it, at that time, that was... Uh, you know, it kind of tied together a lot of the theories that have been going on at the time regarding Sasquatch. Uh, I didn't go into the Yeti uh, or any of the other sightings in uh, uh, anywhere else on the planet. I just specifically focused on the Sasquatch because that was uh, obviously I live here in the United States, and it was easy for me to do a lot of the research at that time. So uh, basically, that was the heart and soul of my thesis, and as I said, it was accepted by the University of State of New York and. Uh, uh, you know, and I don't. I think a lot of uh, present-day books are based on the uh, information that I gleaned together and put together in my thesis. Awesome. Now, going to the to to the Yeti. Do you think it's just same kind of a species? Do you think it's a sub 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 species? Just kind of like. Um, well, I'm gonna gonna compare it to bears. There's black bears. There's polar bears. There's grizzly bears. But they're all bears. They're all kind of the same uh, sub sub species. I I think. But do you think um, there is something you know? That can't be explained that's going on uh, in Asia. They're not only do you have the Yeti in the Himalayas, but in um, the Russian mountains, there's this creature that's known as the Alma, uh, which is very similar to the Yeti. Uh, I think it's uh, Oingo Poingo, which is a creature that is in Indonesia or Java. And uh, that, 
that may not be as uh, direct only because each of the sightings of that creature you know, basically has to be five foot tall. So it may not be a matter of uh, you know, being in the same uh, family as Sasquatch, Yeti, or Alma. But there's certain, there's some creatures that are going around. You know, there are sightings that are very similar throughout the world, which sounds like a very similar animal. Large, straight hair, bigger than a man, and uh, very reclusive. Unfortunately, everything... There's very little evidence of a Yeti that stands up uh, to reason. You know, back in 50, what, 54, uh, Edmund Hillary, you know, uh, took some uh, very famous pictures, uh, photographs of some uh, tracks that he attributed to the Yeti. You know, once again, it was a large foot, you know, over 16 inches. But other than that, uh, most of the other expeditions, Tom Slick had an expedition, I think, in 1957. They really didn't find anything. The physical proof that they had at the time, given to them by the uh, Tibetan monks, uh, turned out to be nothing more than a, you know, uh, a preserved head, uh, a preserved uh, headpiece uh, of a yak or something. So it really, there really is no hard evidence. There's very little, if any, video evidence uh, that I've seen, other than some video I've seen, you know, coming out of Russia uh, of a creature that uh, with the, that. Um, uh, the mold of a Sasquatch-like creature. So it's really hard to say, you know, about the Yeti itself. I'm not saying I don't believe in it, but there's just not any, uh, I really have not seen any definitive evidence that leads me to, you know, conclude anything one way or the other. Okay. Let's go back to your 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 personal experience. Was it only half a half of a, a second looking to the side, side of the road, or? No, it was actually, you know, it ran across the road, I would say maybe two seconds, you know, it was, the early morning. Yeah I, yeah, I just don't know what it is. It's just something I can't, I've never seen anything like it. I didn't see where it went to in the woods. You know, what it's, it's really hard to say. And, uh, yeah, but there's definitely things out there that just, like I said, you, there's not answers for everything in this world yet. I hope, you know, when I go on the expedition later, uh, you know, this fall or we winter, that, you know, I'll, I'll be able to come up with something a little bit more concrete than that. But, uh, yeah. Half the thrill is the adventure itself. Oh, yeah, because um, for anyone who has spent time in the woods in the late fall, early early winters, really early early springs, it's hard to, to describe. It almost has a different feel than uh, summer. There's more, yeah. since there's not a lot of uh, human activity in there, I think the animals are more relaxed and you get to see them more in the natural, the natural environment and they're not so reclusive. Like, I've seen... In the summertime, when I'm out, I never see anything. But when I'm out in the early, early spring, I've seen foxes, I've seen coyotes, I've seen, I've seen even to beavers, and which you never see those guys in the uh, uh, summertime here. You just right. because just animal, animal, animal behavior. When there's a lot of human act activity, you don't, you don't see, see, see them much. They kind of, uh, will, they kind of it will avoid us. No, it's uh, another thing, too, about the winter. I mean, bears hibernate, so you're taking you know, any sightings. Okay, it can't be a bear because, you know, they're going to be sleeping. And so you can pretty well factor that out. Yeah, it could always be a bear that just woke up in the middle of the night. Who knows? But it's that's, that chances are going to be rare. Right. So uh, any large creature you see, uh, you see a lot further through the trees. You know, it's um, you know you, there's definitely a better chance of, uh, you know, sighting one in my, you know, my opinion. And what what do you think uh, their 
they're mostly uh, mostly uh, hiding. I know the Pacific North Northwest. There's a lot of a lot of uh, sightings there. But well, basically, it's wherever a man is not. As much of the virgin forest as they can get into, you know, you'll. Uh, that's where the sighting seems to be most prevalent. Now, there is a very good uh, video of a creature. Uh, speaking of Florida, you're down, uh, you know, in the swamps down there. You see it wading through the water. It definitely is not a bear. I can't see any man getting into uh, alligator-infested waters, you know, just to, you know, uh, make a little 10-second video. But, uh, you know, I've seen that video, and it's like, it's, it was in a place that people just don't go, uh, go to. So it's, um, yeah, the more isolated the place is, uh, the better off, I think, you know, the sightings are going to be. You know, they are, of course, going to be... Uh, Sasquatch has pretty much de been determined to be omnivorous only because uh, it doesn't seem... Uh, there has been sightings of it carrying deer, uh, not, not necessarily eating it, but uh, I do know there was actually a recent sighting about a month or so ago where a family of Sasquatch, and one of them was carrying a, a, uh, a small deer on its shoulder. So why was it doing that? Obviously, you know, it's maybe carnivorous, uh, but uh, they are also are found in areas uh, deep in the woods, not necessarily where there are a lot of game, but there are a lot of uh, flora which can be eaten, you know, uh, berries, uh, roots and whatnot. So, you know, they're pretty well, you, you know, they could be anywhere as long as they're in an isolated area, I think. Kind of wrapping this up in now, but uh, my last question: What do you, what do you think uh, Sasquatch is? Is he a missing link? Because I've heard ever since I I started talking to people that I'm I'm going to be interviewing somebody. A lot of people want want to know. Like um, one thing, some somebody talked to me about. Maybe it's a trans-dimensional being. I have no idea what that is, but um, because I uh, not, actually, you know. Um... Uh, that's one theory I have heard is that um, is Sasquatch extraterrestrial? You know, maybe that's why he appears in different areas of the world. I can say I subscribe wholeheartedly to it, but uh, can't you know? I can't rule it out either. That's all I'm going to say. Um, as far as being a missing link, I don't necessarily personally. I don't think it's a missing link. If anything, I think it may be a mutant of. Uh, species of an early form of homo sapiens uh i think through uh mutation you know or you know, you know selective uh, breeding within itself you know it developed hair a uh, large size and whatnot but uh as i mentioned earlier with the gigantopithecus is just there's no continuing thread between gigantopithecus and all of a sudden into sasquatch I don't think it's an ape-type species, only because of the way it walks, the way it, uh, the facial features, the way the skull seems to be constructed in all of the images that you see of it. Uh, you don't see the protruding jaw that you see in a lot of the uh, those types of primates. So what it is, I mean, that's probably the million-dollar question, is where does it fit into into the animal uh, kingdom? You know, I do think it's a uh, member of a human-like species, but uh, where it is, that's that's really hard to say. So that's the hundred-dollar question. Yep. <laughs> well, once again, I just want to say thank you very, very much for uh, for coming on to Gilmy Talks, and I just want to say thanks. Uh, it's my pleasure, sir. And 
Yeah, if any of your friends have any additional questions, I am at your service. Well, thank you. Once I do get this up, I I will definitely be getting more more and more questions. Actually, I got one 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 more here. Quickly, other North American cryptids. Well, I know your I know your specialties as Sasquatch, but uh, North American, like I mentioned, you got Chupacabra in Puerto Rico. That's yeah. part of North America uh, and Mexico, I believe. Uh, uh, but some of the other sightings, uh, oh, right up the road from me, about 30 miles away in Beltsville, Maryland. Uh, you know, that's a creature that's been known ever since the 1970s called Dogman. It was supposed to be an experiment gone wrong at the Beltsville uh, Agricultural Center, and a man wound up being crossbred with an animal. And there's been numerous sightings back in the 70s on Punchatown Road in Bowie where this creature supposedly was. Haven't been any sightings since. Uh, who knows what that was? Uh, also, to uh, West Virginia, they do have... Uh, there has been sightings of a creature called Mothman, which uh, supposedly large wings, uh, big eyes, uh, uh, supposedly like five feet tall and whatnot that's been sighted. Um, speculation is that was probably just a large owl that they had seen, and which kind of makes sense. Uh, over in the state of New Jersey, I have, of course, the Jersey Devil, which besides being lousy in the NHL, the... Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, they uh, supposedly are in the uh, lower swamplands of uh, southern New Jersey. You know, there have been sightings off and on throughout the years, and this is a creature. You know, I think it's got devil's feet or uh, goat feet and uh, you know, horns and whatnot. And but once again, there's you know, sightings is all we have. We don't have any images of the creature. So yeah, anything where you don't have an image or you have very little evidence, it's other than. Uh, people's accounts i mean you have to take that with a grain of salt so, so but there's a lot of things out there that uh even somebody's got active imaginations or uh all i know is they keep me and uh keep me busy once you once you again thanks all right my pleasure sir Hey guys, welcome back. It is 10 minutes with the Tommy again. Thanks for uh, tuning in all all the way to the end the end of the podcast again, guys. It was another another interesting uh, chat. Well, Tom, how's it how's the day going, man? It is going good. It was a big re- weekend of wrestling pretty much everywhere in Ontario. Uh, Halloween and violence were the themes of the weekend. Um, so no matter what you were after out there this weekend, hopefully you got some wrestling and enjoyed it. Uh, big congrats to Pierre. Sounds like No Limits Wrestling was a big success. Uh, congrats to everybody else, too, who had big shows this weekend. There was there were a lot of shows this There was weekend. CCW, CWF, CWO, CWO NSW. NSW. The list goes on, and everybody looked like they had pretty great crowds. I heard all good things, no internet fiascos of unbooked people and people not getting paid. So a good weekend for indie wrestling, which makes everyone happy. The boys are happy. The fans are happy. Peace on earth is great. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, except in the uh, in the ring of course. 
Yeah, uh, <laughs> except for the dudes who got scared on the weekend. Matt Cash, dude. Scared, rough. He got skewered in the back. Yeah, I saw that. That was two, not just oh, in the God. head, in the back, too. Yeah. That's nothing, not a lot of things still make me squeamish, but uh, impalement is still on that list. But I think, really, you should be squeamish about people getting impaled. Yeah. To uh, a certain extent. Like, just... Stepping in the ring ring with Masada, who's actually a really nice guy. Um, <laughs> Terrifying, but nice to Oh, yeah. Out. Like, no, what was really cool about No Limits, Masada was actually talking to people as they, as they left, signing anything, taking pictures with, with everybody. It was it was just cool. Just don't be against him in the ring. Yeah. Or you'll um, get stabbed. Yeah, he hit people with cinder blocks and blew up on top of poor Matt Cash and Johnny Mo. That was violent. And then Warhead versus uh, Nick Watts. Was 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 a really good uh, match. Love how he walked out with uh, the Bill the Bill Cosby al- album I uh, brought. Very which nice. Is, which is funny. <laughs> did you do any uh, shows this uh, this uh, weekend? I did. I had the Cadet was in action twice this weekend. Um, Battle Royals all over. It was down in CCW. Um, made an appearance in the Battle Royal there. Didn't come out on top, but it is what it is. And then yeah, CWO. Uh, Made an appearance in the uh, Battle Royal there. Brady Wetnam snuck his way in and came after me, kind of distracted me. Brady wants to keep doing this thing between me and him. Not sure where it got personal, but we'll make it personal, Brady. <laughs> like, you want to you do this, we'll keep doing this. You you keep running it, I mean, you got your attack dogs, I admit it. Ormond's kicked the shit out of me, and <laughs> the Riot Makers kicked the shit out of me, but lay yeah. low for a bit, heal up, and I'll be back the next fight, you know? Yep. It's not over, Brady. This ain't over. Well, you always come back. Always. Cadets always beaten but never defeated. Big season of wrestling as we come towards the holidays. Uh, Everybody, lots of shows to talk about. Holy jeez. So, coming up next weekend, uh, November 11th, we got the Lucha Alliance show in Toronto featuring a ton of great matches, but the one I'm super excited for, uh, Impact star Laredo Kid taking on Josh Alexander, the walking weapon. So, right there going to be an amazing match anytime josh alexander's around the word amazing match has to be used actually yeah seen uh seen alexander versus versus hipstar actually on the weekend match with absolutely no no build-up and kind of changed at the last uh a minute there uh because uh well danny orlando couldn't couldn't could not make it due to personal reasons. But here's the thing. That was probably my favorite hip star match I have ever seen. It just um he 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 was fantastic and Alexander is is Ale- Alexander like uh, always. He is the no disrespect to anybody, but he's not even the measuring stick. Like Josh Alexander is the big dog of Ontario Indies. Yeah, like he will push anybody to the limit and he is the best in Ontario in my opinion right now. No disrespect to anybody, there's a ton of great guys, but Josh is at the top of his game, and he's, he's like, I've seen guys want to die after wrestling Josh. Yeah, it's, like, just, <laughs> you gotta go see Josh Alexander live. His, just his one of those skills things. and his athleticism are inhuman. The man is not at all kidding when he calls himself an elite indie wrestler. Yeah. And then, of course, also that day, if you're up north, Barry Wrestling, always a good time. Bring your kids, bring your family. Definitely check that out. Next weekend after, still big Hamilton Pro Wrestling Showcase. Uh, students of Rip Impact, always the future of Ontario. Week after that, or sorry, day after that, uh, 19th, another huge show. 
here in London, Smash London Calling 2. Stacked event. Uh, we had Triple Threat, we got International Superstar, Ring of Honor, New Japan, WWE, anywhere you want to name, Matt Seidel taking on Smash's own Brett Banks and the endorsement Smash, Smash and Suave. That alone is going to kill it. Then you got Well-Oiled Machines versus the Kevin Bennett Experience. Kaido Kaimori, the newest sensation out of NOAA Japan. He's taken on Shane Saber. Kaido has been tearing it up everywhere. He's been in Smash, PWA, anywhere you want to name. He's having the greatest match. Him and Tarek killed it a while ago. Everywhere. And I'm going to quote Josh Alexander on the weekend. In five years, Kaido is going to be the next Okada. So... He is really, really good. I got to see him at the, the fan trash, yes. I believe. Yeah, and he was he was amazing. Oh, and he's incredible. Like No matter what he does, everything looks like he's killing the guy. He makes me want to cry and burn my boots, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, in the ladies' action tonight, we're going to have Casey Spinelli versus Xander Bale. Sure Which to be a fantastic gonna be, match. Going to be a, be a fantastic match. So, November 19th. London Music Hall, Smash Wrestling, London Calling 2. Need tickets? Talk to me, of course. Uh, oh, oh, and it just goes on this month. November, killer month. The 24th, up north, C4 in Ottawa. September the 25th, you got Sarnia, Smash, returning to the Station Music Hall in London. MCW, Immortal in Brantford. And then Sunday the 26th, we're still all over. Smash is in Toronto for a TV taping. The Toronto Opera House. Alpha One Final Act Eight in Hamilton with Cody Rhodes. Yeah, <laughs> Gilby's hawking the Cody Rhodes shirt right now. So <laughs> yeah. how can we not plug Cody Rhodes? Uh, PWE up in Oshawa, featuring my boy Liam Worldwide. And then last show I'm gonna plug is December twenty second. Um, PWA Golden Ticket Rumble. The name of the show is Farewell to the King. Uh, this is Jimmy King retirement show. Jimmy has decided to pack it in. Makes me a little sad. Uh, always a guy I really liked in the business. He's a great, underrated worker. Great wrestler. And uh, it's going to be sad to see him go. But yeah. people should definitely there to check out Jimmy's last night in the business. Because he's going to go out big. And, mm. oh, last thing I do want to plug. Because everybody's going to be pumped for it. Come January, hosted by No Limits Wrestling, is going to be the Death Proof Tournament. It's back. That's right. Not a full death proof show, but the tournament is happening, so be ready for those folks. And always, even those shows we mentioned, there's more. Go on Facebook, look for shows, look for the events, support indie wrestling. There's a, a ton of great shows that we didn't get a chance to mention. It's, because we're human and we only have so much so much time. <laughs> yeah, I would love to plug 85 shows, but I can't. And So be even, out there, support it. It's a great time. Even go check out those little shows that pop up here and here and there because some of the funnest times I've had are at indie shows with tiny crowds and it's those are the shows that the wrestlers absolutely put a hundred hundred and ten percent in because you guys showed up. That's right. At the end of the day, you're the ones we're here to entertain and you get a lot more interaction sometimes with fans at those shows. It's a little more in intimate scenario than versus like a you know, 5,000 people at a WWE house show or 20,000 people at Raw. You know what I mean? It's a wrestler and 30 people. Mm -hmm. So odds uh, are you're going to get to if, meet them. Uh, if, if, say, you're walking walking backwards as beside the ring with your title belt, um, there might be a guy with size 13 boots you trip over, and they may have to uh, have to uh, catch you. Um, <laughs> that may may have, have happened on the uh, weekend. But Were you drinking? 
a little bit. <laughs> but uh, what may what actually only a little bit. Oh, I was okay. in Hamilton, and I was and you know my personal opinions on that uh, city. Oh, <laughs> Hamilton, yes. My brother also shares your opinions on oh, Hamilton. God, I. <laughs> Unless it's a fantastic show, I am not going there. It Get just it. like um, I enjoyed the venue. The venue was good. Finding parking was terrible. And I found a spot that was like six spots away from the venue. We just had to drive drive around twenty times before somebody moved. Because also walking around in in Hamilton is just scary. Yeah, you see some 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 interesting things there. Okay, Tom. Once again, thank you very very much for uh, coming in. Thanks for having me and support indie wrestling, folks. Yep, or or support it because it's 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 fun. Go out, see a see see a see a show. Maybe see me. Maybe see Tom. Who knows? Hey, man. Either way, be there. Yep. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the very, very end here. I just want to say thank you very much for for listening. As I said before, this was a very cool com- conversation. And I just wanted to thank Dr. Scali for coming on and uh, doing, this, uh, doing this again. And I just want to say, if you are looking for any sensey needs, just give Tabby, Tabby Lynn a call. You, nobody wants their house smell, smelling bad, guys. Nobody wants it. You do not want it smelling bad when you you bring the the ladies over, and it's just not. It's good stuff. I use it myself. My wife absolutely loves loves all all the warmers around around, around the house. I got two two boys, and I'm thankful for their their sensi sensi warmer in that room. And remember to check out We Are Mar Marks. They have their own podcast, and it's complete wrestling and it is a great podcast to would listen to and they do monthly uh, monthly contests there guys so go check them out all right just want to say thank you again very much and see you in about two two weeks thanks uh, thanks guys just want to say the outro song is jeff roll tall locomotive breath it's a pretty cool uh, cool solo give give it a uh, listen see you in uh, about two weeks
Jesus is here to jump in the car. The stage just one by one.